Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK, the nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany, and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a one trillion dollar tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk/greattalent to see how you can work, live, and move to the UK. Welcome back to Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for the Amstel Gold Race Men's Race Recap. We had Tani Pagacha, the shortest favourite for any major World Tour One Day race, I think, this year. Don't quote me on that, but he was $2 for this race, given a 50% implied chance to win. Let's see if that was realistic. His main competitor, second favourite, was Pidcock, who's been targeting the Ardennes after a little bit of a Maybe a disappointing Cobble Classics campaign after the fantastic Strada win. He's got Chef and last year's winner Kwiatkowski. Kosnifra and Godon were good in on Wednesday at uh, Provence Pale. Yumbo Send, probably their weakest squad to a World Tour race so far this year with Benoit and Valter as the leaders. Uh, no Van Aert, no Roglic, no Vingegaard. And yeah, then it was much of a marchness really with like... Nice riders, but none of the big guns apart from Pagacha. Not even an Alaphilippe here for Sudal Quickstep in this race, Benji. So it really was. Why hasn't Poggy done this before too much, many times? Is he just because he he needs a couple of weeks off between races and his schedule? Normally he does UAE, so he's probably more tired by now in other years. Exactly, and last year, if I recall correctly, he was planning to do LBL after RVV, and then he showed up for Flesh, but not for Amstel. Maybe a bit of a rest period after RVV towards those two races, but then he didn't ride LBL anyway because of a family issue at that time. Now, I believe that there's probably some factor in there that the team wants to limit his race days as much as possible, because much in a few days ago said that he wasn't going to ride Flesh well on, and then the next day, Pogacar said, are you sure, to someone who said that he wasn't riding Flesh Wallon on Twitter, so nobody knows if he's starting Flesh Wallon at this point, but no I guess point. we'll figure it out. we lose anyway. Who knows at this point? I, I don't dare to say it anymore. I won't lie, I don't dare if to say it anymore. If he starts, it doesn't start. Same <laughs> thing. Okay, I believe you. Now, um, you said Alaphilippe. I think that's due to the knee issue that he had from yeah, crashing yeah. RVV, and, like, it's a real bummer for Quickstep. But on yeah. the other end, I wasn't expecting him to be competitive for Amstel Gold Race in the first place. I was more seeing him compete once again in Flesh Wallon and once again have trouble in LBL, just like the majority of years. That being said, this race started and we were, well, we were waiting. Let me explain to people quickly, like 253Ks, yeah. how does this race differ from its Belgian counterparts in terms of parkour? And I guess... Uh, you're the expert on the Kasayan, Benji, that's cobbled <laughs> climb or a cobble and a Berg or a Heilinger is a hill that's Dutch. I believe it's the both the same both sides of the border. Here we have like a circuit of Kalberg, Bembleberg, Azer Bosweg. They are all pretty short. None of them are that long, yeah. like 2Ks, 5%. Uh, the Gulperbergweg. 600 meters 8.5 percent there are some steep parts the steepest is the koitenberg i believe koitenberg which has a steep pinch 1.1 k 6.8 percent but they're all paved and they're all pretty wide a lot of them are pretty wide so 
I think that helps someone like Pidcock, Benji. If you remember Brabant's last year, he struggled on the Moskostra yeah. cobbled climb, but then was good on the non-cobbled ones. I agree. I do feel like this race has gone through a bit of a, a transition over the years, because obviously, as you might remember, this race finished in the regular Kalberg finish with the finish at the top of the Kalberg for the majority of years, and then it had a finish which was a kilometer after the Kalberg, and then we had also the, uh, the special uh covid year where it was like a, a circuit oh, that a really looks nothing circuit. yeah nothing like the parkour that it is now and now we arrive at the parkour that was also made after the Kalberg era of amstel gold race where it's now the bamlerberg that is the the last real hill with the Kalberg coming earlier and it it does incentivize earlier racing based on the additions we've seen on this parkour i do like the Kalberg. i won't lie about that but um I do think this parkour incentivizes that. I agree that the lack of cobbles on the road makes for very different riders that can win. Because yeah. you, I'm not sure. Let's say a Ben Healy, for example. We saw him at Brabantse. That's a combination of cobbles and paved roads. Would you say that you would also be able to do well at a cobbled race? I think this is... When I say, why don't the cobbles... Cobbles slow you down. Cobbles, you need seated power. Mm -hmm. You need to be able to maintain better body control. And someone like Healy and Pidcock, they're little aero bullets. And so on a 4% paved climb, they're going 30 kilometers an hour. They're tucked in. They can maintain like a nice little aero position. You can't do that on a cobbled climb. If you watch the last climb of Brabant, which is cobbled on Wednesday, Godon, big guy sprinter, he basically monstered Healy and nearly dropped him, but he didn't really care to because he beat him in the sprint anyway. Same thing happened with Remco and Brabant two years ago, maybe. And it happened with Pidcock. So it's just a working theory that if you're really light, cobbles are not your friend. Hot take. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, this race opened up before coverage even started, which like whilst we were finishing the women's recap, do we know for sure, Benji, we know who ended up in the group. Do we know who initiated this move and where? I don't really, to be honest. I would expect it is probably Pogacar that is part of how the group got formed, because otherwise you don't get a group with Pogacar in it. But it's really curious, because in his post-race interview, after the race, he was talking about how the race got into a certain situation at the start, and he said, uh, I tried moving into the front group to put Trenton and one of the other riders, Hirschi, in a, in a, in a seat behind. And... When you think about that, then it doesn't really say that you opened it up or that someone else in that group opened it up. So it's difficult to say. That being said... I reckon it was Ineos. They have multiple riders in there, but that's really early to do that, no? Yeah, but they did that in Brabant. Remember with, uh, with Chef and Turner yeah. and Pitcock last year, like 70, 80 Ks to go against Remco? Maybe they want to open it up really early because they don't want to go to the finish with Pog. I will... We'll wait for post-race interviews. My guess was Ineos. I don't see Pog mm -hmm. jumping at 90Ks to go. 50, yes, yeah. after a hard race, but 90 is two and a bit hours left. Anyway, the group that formed was really strong and had broad representation. Krohn from Lotto Destiny, good in Brabant. Lutschenko just won Jura de Cecilia, if you weren't watching this week with a last stage raid, he's on form. Astana represented young, talented French rider from Cofidis. 
Axel Zangl, so they won't chase. Genietz and Vandenberg, two for FTJ, one from Quickstep Van Tricht, one from EF with Healy, with Paulus behind, Alpacini with Vermeersch, Ineos with their two best riders, Pitcock Sheffield, and of course the race favourite, Tade Pagacis in there, so Trenton and Cole blocking up behind. The big teams that missed this are Bahrain and uh, Jumbo Visma and one more, Azure Desert Citroën missed it and maybe Trek Segafredo. So there's more teams in it than not in it. And this is just a disaster, Benji, for Jumbo Visma with 90Ks to go. Yeah, exactly. You'd expect for them to be in that group, and they're not in that group with neither of Falter, neither of Benoit, and those are the kind of riders where at least one of them should be in that group. And they're not the only team that is in a, a disaster position. We've got the Trek Segafredos of the world also not in that group. Ajdezer with Cosnefront not in that group. And I would at least have expected Jumbo to be in it because they have multiple riders that could have been in it. And when it comes to Ajdezer, they kind of have to get Cosnefront in a group like that in the first place. All good and on. we are good on, but we see that reaction because the second that the group goes, the second that coverage starts and we see this situation play out, we see the teams that missed it, an Ajdezer rider, which I would guess is Cosnefra, trying to bridge solo and maybe form a group behind to try and bridge towards the front, but it's not really working. This is still with 80 kilometers to go, and the gap is not significant at this point. They were talking about a 20-30 second gap, and next to those three teams, another team that missed it was Bahrain. And I feel like they were the team that really took up arms early, where they moved to the front, put multiple riders at the front of the group, and started pacing. And they kept that gap on 30 seconds for quite a bit, but they weren't getting closer, huh? Why do we never see one from each of the relevant teams? You know when in Tour yep. of Flanders, traditionally before cycling became a crazy sport, it was <laughs> break a five go from Bingo Al and Balwaza, and then each of the top five favorite teams put a rider ahead and they all share the duties and it's happy days. All the directors are handshaking. Why doesn't that happen in this situation where we basically have all those teams we just said that missed it? They take turns, and this is again happening in the women's race a little bit. They take turns. Instead of putting Pools, an Azure Desert, a Bora, who also missed it, a DSM, a Yumbo, a Bahrain, instead of having five men swapping off, you have basically Jos van Emden pulls until he drops. Yep. Well, pulls, pulls. Until he drops. Edward Turns or a Trek Sega Freighter yep. rider, they also came up then after Bahrain. Pull until they drop. And the gap just stays 30 seconds the whole time. We're talking for an hour, maybe, maybe longer. Because in the front group, it's one against 11. Even if the 11 <laughs> are not riding necessarily as hard as they could, one against 11 loses, or two against 11. So... Brian Smith mentioned on commentary, I agree, you'd expect, and also the problem with the parkour is the climbs then, say you got a good flat ruler, well then mm -hmm. he gets, he has to do Kalberg super slowly compared to a group with, as a reminder, the two race favourites in front. Yeah, exactly. Now, the question that you can ask with that front group is, why are the majority of riders in this group pacing? Because you know that in this group, Pogacar is the head favourite to win this race. Pitcock has a chance to win this race, but on paper with this group, there's not enough riders with every single one of these other teams. Like, Ahili is there alone. 
a Zangle is there alone, a Lutsenko is there alone, a Kron is there alone. How are they going to roll attacks on Pogacar on on Pitcock, especially when Sheffield is still there? So is this not a situation you kind of want to avoid if you're another rider in that group, if you want the chance of winning at least? Uh, even for a podium, even mm -hmm. for a podium, Pitcock, Pogacar's too. And then Lutsenko's flying. I don't mind Lutsenko backing himself because frankly, there's not too much behind. And he's yeah. in, like, who knows when he's on form, he can do anything. So it's really the teams like, because they did the same thing on Wednesday at Brabant's Benji. Yep. Lotto Destiny were, oh, we've got Crow in the front group. We're represented. But then all of a sudden you realize, and he did end up getting a decent result. I grant you, better than Yumbo, that's for sure. But wouldn't it have been better to sit on, have Encorn come across? Would you rather fight Pagatra and Trenton if you've got Encorn and um, Kron? Or if you're Quickstep, Van Tricht and Bajoli? Or if you're EF, Healy and Paulus? Or like, then you. Because basically, all they do is you're going to. Okay, well, we can, when are you going to roll attacks on Pog? He'll just attack yeah. you if you start doing that. Exactly, and that's what brings me to, to the outcome that I see the most likely one that I would have chosen if I wanted one of those teams, and that is, well, I'm in a position where I can't win, where podium is going to dif be difficult. I'm fighting for a top five position. I've got a top 10 relatively secure if this team, yeah. if this group goes to the line. Am I happy with a top 10? And I think the problem is that a lot of these riders were like, oh, I want to get a top five or top 10 out of this. But in reality, I would have rather seen them sit up and force Pogacar to either continue riding with the group or attack solo, which he could have, <laughs> knowing Pogacar, he might have just launched solo from that point and done a 90k solo. But most likely, the group will sit up and it will get eaten up by the group behind and the race is reset. That is the likely scenario that happens if you sit up then. And then, then there's plenty of terrain left to roll attacks again with your riders and create a more favorable group that you want, right? Should Ineos be working with this group? Because remember, by the way, whilst all this is happening, got this group of 11 with Ineos, with Chef and Pidcock. But Gatcha's not pulling that much. Because yep. he has a, he thinks, well, no, he, I, I believe he had a slow flat and then a, basically a flat rear tire. He saw, I thought, has he got a feeding issue, missed some bid-ons, his hand up, hand up, hand up. And because the gap was 30 seconds the whole time, the car's not there. So if he wants to, if he changes rear wheel with the Shimano neutral service, he loses 30 seconds. He has to wait for a bike change. If he waits for a bike change, he has to wait for the car all the way behind the main peloton led by Trek Bahrain or whoever is pacing at that moment. So he just rides a flat. But that means he's, Pog's not doing more than his fair share in this group to keep it going. He's, which is crazy. It's like, yep. I can't, and it's just the race situation, but that the five, five, five star favorite, unreal, like best rider in the world, he almost gets to hide a bit in the group. And I know it's because he had a flat. And Ineos are pushing a fair bit. And I thought, the gap, the pressure from behind, 30 seconds. I don't know, would you, I, I think basically, Benji, Ineos mm -hmm. thought, we're happy with Pidcock, the Pagacha Manui Mana will take it. And because yeah. if you weren't, wouldn't you, wouldn't you move Sheffield 
in between the climbs, go with the v Lars Vandenberg, and then Poggy's placed under a bit of pressure um, with Pidcock in the wheel. Because otherwise, they basically just rotated, rotated, and then also, let, why does this suit Pogaccio this situation? First of all, run-ins to these climbs can be dangerous. It's wet. It's cold yep. conditions. The race has been made attritional and difficult from 90Ks out, full gas favourites moving, so he doesn't have to fight for his life for position in a group of 10, so perfect for him in that situation. Second of all, as I said, it's been made very, very difficult in school conditions, So, and they're all working with him. So I don't know, could Ineos have done anything differently, or was it fair enough to think Peacock's won this race before You know, he can let him fight head-to-head -head with Pogaccia? I think based on the last couple of weeks, I would not desire a situation where you have to fight Pogacar head-to-head, especially knowing that on the Ronde of London he was swept into the distance. Obviously, we don't know the situation when it comes to how he reacted to that concussion that he had, whether they believed that he was completely over that and therefore believed that he would be able to go one-to-one -one against Pogacar. I think that's unreasonable. I don't... At no point did I believe that Pitcock was able to follow Pogacar on this parkour in the run-in towards Amstel Gold Race. And then the question is, are they happy with the top three here? If Pitcock's a previous winner, they probably shouldn't. Because Pitcock is here to try and win an Ardennes Classic, not to podium an Ardennes Classic. And next to that, wouldn't you also want to just reset the situation and create a situation where you benefit more than this one? But that's difficult had, with Pitcock as well. they had numbers behind Benji. They were yeah. stacked in the group behind Ineos. They were all at the front blocking it up. Would there have been a situation that was able to be created if Pitcock just sat up with Sheffield and, and it got eaten in the peloton? I don't think there's a situation where they can send the riders forward and it's Pitcock up there without Pogacar in the wheel. No. It would have to be secondary riders and yep. put Pitcock in a favorable position while the other teams have to use their domestiques to try and cash Daniel's domestiques again. Right? But there were, there were barely any. We had a situation yep. where Yumbo spent everyone, by the way. The group behind us thin, thin, thinned. Trek have spent all their riders. Molomer's launched Skelmoza. We basically have a group of sort of the second tier favorites that missed it, like Benote, Hindley, and co. And I don't know, you. Who's more likely to win? Magnus Sheffield or Kwiatkowski against. This is with 70Ks to go, 60Ks to go against Trenton. Dorian Godon or Kevin Genietz or Peacock against Pogaccia. It's a balancing act. Um, or maybe, you know, at least it puts Peacock in a seat. So it, it's really tricky, though, because you, you still look at it. Ineos have got two riders in the front group and Pogaccia's quote-unquote isolated um, and nursing a flat tyre. And the thing is, you also want to force, just like SD works in... The women's races, if you're an opponent of that team, if you're an opponent of Pogacar, what you want to try and create in, in a race is that the team of the strongest riders sends a weaker rider, like in the women's race, a, a Bredewald, and in the men's race with Pogacar at Trenton. They're not weak, but they're weaker than fighting against Pogacar in a group ahead with a rider of yours. And that way you're creating those riders against each other, while Pogacar is kind of stuck behind while Trenton's in a front group. And that situation I'd love to create. That's the same situation we had in the World Championships where Slovenia sent Trotnik with Remco Evenepoel in a group. Now, whether Pogacar was even good at that point to be in that group in the first place isn't unknown, but that's the kind of mistakes you want a UAE to create. 
and this group is not that. That being said, I want to throw it back for a second to that puncture of Pogacar. I saw a bit of stuff online about that uh, the UAE car came into a gap that was too small and so forth. But at what point can a car come past the peloton to be behind the front group? Is that 30 seconds or is that a minute? In stage races, I know it's 30 seconds, but it's got to be like 30 for, for them. When it just hits 30 seconds in a stage race, they don't just send the cars out. They wait for the gap to have consistently been over 30 seconds at 45, 50 seconds, and then they'll move it out once it goes below 30. They don't just let it hit 30 and put it in. I don't know if it's a minute or 30 seconds in one week, uh, in one day races. Certainly the gap was, I mean, to be honest, the time gaps this race were very Italian. Um <laughs> They're all over the place, so who knows what the exact time gap was. But yeah, it would have made the race more interesting. <laughs> Certainly if Boggy had to chase two minutes behind, still would have won probably. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the car, came, the car was desperate to come up the whole time. It was trying to shoot gaps. And the Commissaires, I think, not the best race I've ever watched from the Commissaires, I must say. Anyway, Boggy changes the tire before the base of a climb. Cool as you like, as usual. Then they go to the eyes of Boswig, Poggy's on the fresh bike, no more flat tire, and it's like, thanks very much for pulling for 45 kilometers, guys. Attacks, only Pidcock can follow just, and he's all over the bike. He Healy's three, four seconds behind, and back in wherever the shadow, Benji's shadow realm, there's the <laughs> Benoit and Trek move, which doesn't really impact the race, frankly, except, well... I think Bagioli had moved before there and maybe Van Trick had been sitting on. Immaterial anyway. Three go clear. Healy gets back to them. And we, so we have Healy. This is the best, like, last 45 minutes of his career so far. Pidcock and Pagacha. And Pidcock was under pressure on that first Pagacha attack. Sheffield's dropped behind. And Pidcock was relaying at least 50-50 with Pagacha Benji, and Healy was refusing to pull because he's like, you're a killer. I'm not pulling with you. I'm not, like, to just get dropped on the Koitenberg or whatever it's called. Yeah, the Koitenberg. That's where I think Ineos and Pidcock were like, you know what, I can beat Pog one-on-one because I wouldn't have pulled with him. Yep. Not before I the hardest that. climb left. Definitely. Now, if you do pull, you shouldn't be pulling 50-50 be like 30 70 20 80 maybe 10 90 like those kind of situations yeah. but 50 50 you're giving a you're giving yourself a, a disadvantage because pogacar on paper will likely drop you in the climbs that are to come now when it comes to healy he's riding a fantastic race let's be honest about it second at brabant so behind godon which is lost in the sprint if there was more climbing there i don't know who would have won because godon looked stronger on the on the last climb anyway in that race but that being said healy's once again in the top three guys of this of this group and he's able to follow an attack by Pogacar that only Pitcock can follow in that group. So this guy's 22. This is the revelation of the Hill Classics so far yeah. and that will probably continue across the years in the future. And uh, EF have a big guy for that. But Out we'll talk at the end of the at the end of the podcast, we'll talk about EF for a second, about the yep. pre-race briefing. But continue onwards. We go Luchenko towards the and Them. Oh yeah. The beef. So I think Ooh. they could have got back on. They were just yeah. behind after the eyes of Bosweg, 45Ks to go, and they're not showing them the whole time, so you can't attribute who's sitting on a little bit too much. But Lushenko was furious at Crone for not pulling. They dangled five seconds behind Pog, Healy, and Pidcock for so long. 
And it's like, no, just there. It's like, just get across. That's with Healy sitting on. Anyway, they get to the Koidenberg. Pikachu attacks. Big Ox dropped. This is the hardest time left. 29 Ks to go. And Healy's dropped a little bit more, but he's riding more his own pace, I think, for the podium. Peacock's trying to ride for the win, you know, to stay yeah. with Pagacha. And maybe that cracks him a little bit more, and those two eventually get together behind. And it's just Pagacha solo, Benji. And have we... I don't think we've ever seen a Pagacha solo brought back. Ever. Hmm. I don't think so. Well... If you count that solo where in Dwarves of London last year, he was behind, then he tried to solo to the front group. Had a shot for Dot. Okay, he gotta be in front. Okay, then then I can't remember a Pogacar solo being caught. Most again. solos don't get brought back. Ever. That's true. You're right. Because if you drop but, them once, you're probably stronger than them. <laughs> exactly, and especially with hills to come. But yeah. let's be honest about it. We get that situation with 26k to go, and I'm like, this race is over. Nice no, done. It's done, but but then we saw the furious fight for second place. It's pretty good. I don't know which hill it was, but with 15k to go, Hilly was really ramping up the tempo on one of these hills. And I was looking at Pitcock in his wheel and I was like, this guy's actually in trouble. No, and before then, Healy was pulling, I think, more slash harder on the flat. Yeah. Visibly. And also I can tell to the kilometer per hour visually from a 50 meter motorcycle <laughs> shot. I was like, Healy's pulling faster. And so this one point of evidence now corroborates that because he drops Pidcock on the climb. But yeah, he dropped him. They've yep. been working together. They're holding it 22, 23 seconds. And I was like, oh, if, the light, if they keep working together, could they bring Poggy back? Anyway, unreal from Healy, Benji. And Peacock goes backwards fast. And this is a long race, six hours, 253 Ks. Same thing happened in Tour of Flanders, remember? He went with chasing Laporte and Pogaccia and then just went straight out the back. Yep. Same thing that happened at RVV, I'm pretty sure as well, where he got swam back in the results by the end after dropping. But this creates a situation where you've got Pogaccia in front, and while the Healy and Pitcock duo was on like 27 to 30 seconds, when Healy's alone, we see that gap going down. I saw and then a 19. I see the most... I'm sorry? I saw a 19 flash up yep. on the screen. Exactly. It went to 23, it went to 22, it went to 19. That's like a solid 10 seconds that Healy took over the time of Pogacar. We know he's got time trawling skills, but this is proper. Maybe Pogacar thought, I've got this, I don't need to go all out at this point in the race, so maybe he could have gone a gear harder if necessary. But then the organizer's car gets in front of Pogacar, and like, this happens in races. Draft happens in races. We saw the motorbike in the women's race, Not like right this. ahead of Volering, but this, this organizer's car was in front of Pogacar by like 5 to 10 meters for like at least a kilometer two, or Ks. two. It's, yeah. it's shocking. And then the gap expands to like 35 seconds or something for, for Healy. So I don't believe that Pogacar would have lost either way, but this shit should not be happening in a cycling race. And it happens in half the races that exist, that the front rider benefits from a motorbike or a car. And the fact that this is the organizer's car, it wouldn't be shocking if Leo Van Vliet, the organizer, was like, I would rather have Pogaccio on the finishing, on, on the results page at the end of the day. <laughs> uh, maybe, I don't know, but it was bizarre. Because, like, camera motorbikes getting too close because they want to get a nice close-up shot. See that all the time. The organizer's car. Just it going was in the trunk. And just sitting, just sitting in front. 
just sitting there. I was like, what are you doing? Like, it was bizarre <laughs> sitting in front of Pikachu. And then it went, and then a motorbike came and sat in front for a little oh. bit. It was really odd. Doesn't change the result. Pikachu going to win anyway. But I don't know. There was a little bit of tension. Like, oh, is Healy, he's brought it down five seconds. If we can believe the gap, seven seconds. Could he do it more? And then the gap goes out to 32 seconds. And so kind of whatever tension was left in the race. But yeah, just like for a race of this level, that shouldn't be happening. And especially when every single year when we talk about, oh, should Strade Bianca be a monument? There's one dude that shows up and says, oh, Amstel has been an older race and should be a monument. And for all these years, we've been complaining about the organization of, of Amstel. We've had the, the two photo finishes. That's the why first they did one, it. They didn't the want first... a photo finish again. <laughs> Probably. But the first one, the photo finish was set up incorrectly, most likely. Yep. The second one, they called the wrong winner. And then this year before the race, side note, they've got a new photo finish system. An upgraded photo finish system because they didn't want to avoid the things that happened in the past. Basically, they're saying that it was broken in the first place. So yeah, because Pitcock won. One hundred percent, I agree. <laughs> Pitcock won. Amstel. <laughs> Maybe can we make T-shirts? <laughs> I mean, he didn't win Amstel twenty twenty three though. That's for sure. Anyway, Pagacha rides away. He wins by thirty eight seconds in the end. Car didn't change the result. Healy in second, best result of his career huge result and he finishes so peacock we didn't see for a long time he blows up completely he gets caught on the line by cronin lushenko who was still fighting over who was going to do the lead out in the Amazing. final 400 meters but he just crawls over the line ahead of them to keep third on 214 and then there's another minute back 314 to bagioli van hills schelmoza camp Top 10, two years in a row. Axel Zangle, Tyler, French Rider, and Clofidis, 10th. And the notes dropped from that group, 15th, the best Yumbo rider. So it was a very difficult race, as evidenced. Look at those gaps. Like in this race, a 2.14 and a 3.14 from third, the, the third group, not counting. So Pagacha, then there's Healy, and then the third group is on 2.14, and the fourth group in sixth is on 3.14. That is a very. Big difference to the Phil Jill big group sprint from the base of the Cowberg in previous years. And, you know, we discussed a lot, what should have these teams done differently in group one? You know, that's a good result for EF and Healy. And Powell's crashed yep. behind. They can be happy with that. But Lotto, fourth and seventh, that's a good result too, I would say. Yep. Realistically, could Andreas Krohn have ever won this race or Van Hills? Like, in a one in one hundred scenario, maybe. Mate. So, and Astana's best result of the season is what's yeah, coming for Astana. So you can understand <laughs> why they were contributing, getting ahead of the race uh, as well. And it's really the teams that missed out were Yumbo, AG2R, Bahrain, who, and uh, Trek, who don't feature except for Schelmoser in the top 10 at all. So yeah. Not the best race ever, but that's what <laughs> oh, that's what happens when if Pagash doesn't yep. have a Vanart, an MVDP or a foil on his level, he stomps. Yep. Firmly agree with that. Now you said earlier, all Pogacha for flesh, I don't see it happening. Now, does this race change anything no. when it comes to your view for 
pleasurable on for anyone on the start list. No. Oh, sorry, anyone okay. on the start. So the reason that Pog think. So he's been the favorite for Flesh last year, and I don't know if he did. He do it last year. You said he didn't yep. do Liège because the first so he, he came twelfth, and he was on you know finished behind Benoit. And so this is not a hot take. This should be quite obvious to anyone that now watches cycling. An attritional six-hour race with multiple hard efforts over and over and over and over and over. Pagatch is the best in the world. Tour of Flanders two weeks ago. This race today. He's that's his bread and butter. That's his jam. He'll go again and again and again. An easy race with the watts per kilo test on extremely steep gradients. I'm not saying he's bad, but he's not so much better than everybody else in that situation. Flesh isn't that easy. It's still quite a difficult race, but it's a bigger group coming into the base of the Motor Wii. It's very yeah. steep as well. He did say he was a little bit heavier, I think, for Flanders, 68 or so. Now, he's obviously climbing very well, but that's just why this race Amstel suited him. And Liège, which is, you know, repeated efforts. They're not as steep generally as a Motor Wii. So... Uh, he'll still be up there probably. He can do better than the 12th last year. But um, but then again, Benji, to your question, who's going to beat him? I think when it comes to the riders that come in mind that will likely do good on this finish is Cosnefoy. I think Higita is also pretty good on a finish like Flesh. Yep. Um, when it comes to positioning, I'm not 100% certain about Higita though, especially knowing that he's sometimes riding a bit wonky into other people. Ah. Uh, because that's real. The top turns is not in good shape. He won last year. Balor's semi-retired. I'm sure he could still podium it. I uh, bring him in. Blasov is prepping for the Giro during the Tour of the Alps. Alaphilippe's not riding. Danny Martinez is in. He's doing it, but he's wasn't good in Basque Country. Mike Woods hasn't looked as good. Guerrero's now Movistar. So like all these riders that formed the top seven last year all have huge question marks slash aren't riding. So yeah, who is... I don't know. I don't really know the answer. Is Enric Michael Mas Woods? doing it? Yeah, Woods. Uh, Enric Mas is doing it. Uh, they went for Guerrero at Bra... No. I don't know. They're probably going to go for Mas and Guerrero. I think they're, they'll both have a chance, I think. I expect. And... Um... I don't really see one on Yumbo Visit. Like a Benoit and a Valter, I'm not 100% certain that no. this is the finish for them. Although I trust Valter more than Benoit for this finish, I still don't see it necessarily. Uh, Pitcock will be good on this finish. I believe that. Isn't Mollard the guy that was good on? Yeah, it came on top Fletcher 10 before. A few years ago? But winning is also a question. I see Cosnify as one of the favorites for that race. And... Like, Hirschi is also an Amy Schwab, but then again, today he was stuck behind, and in the end, he didn't really get the result to, to shout about. 36th, is he going to be good at Flesh Wallon? Will they pull his card knowing that Pogaccio is there? That's a question. I do believe Pogaccio will podium Flesh. I don't know why, but with this field, I the believe Salas in it. looks bad. That's, that's the reason that I believe in Pogaccio yeah. this year for Flesh. There's no, like, Roglic and Alaphilippe in absolutely yep. top what per kilo puncher shape. Oh, uh, Leonard von Edfeld. Okay, yeah. I guess he, yeah, as a, to replace those two, he, he must be considered. <laughs> you know, he gives his kind of... <laughs> um, seeing as you brought him up. 
I mean, Bora with Hindley or Agita, I think, could surprise. Well, Poles, maybe. Like, Paulus after his crash today, who knows how he'll be or what shape mate, he'll be in, but he wasn't good mate, last year in flesh. Mate, mate, mate. How dare we both forget El Patron? Juan Pei. <laughs> He's not doing it, but... Shouldn't think... Shouldn't Vingegaard do flesh? I would love it, but it's clearly not here, so... It's a shame. Unless they, sh they put him in last minute. That he puts on Twitter, are you sure, in similar style that <laughs> that Pogacar did. Could you imagine Vingegaard doing that? Uh, we're, we're, we're talking about Pogacar riding flesh right now and being one of the riders that could do well here, but Machin said the other day he wouldn't ride it, so <laughs> we don't even know oh, yet. Really? <laughs> yeah. We'll see if he rides it. Who's the boss? There, do you reckon? Um, we'll anyway, yeah, <laughs> uh, probably. Anyway, Dallas Amstel Gold Race. We've got Flesh Willown on Wednesday. Otherwise, we had a few transfer rumors circulating around. Uh, one of which was also Carlos Rodriguez to Movistar. It keeps being floated as like a room. It's done, right? I swear, yeah. the guys riding around in physique shoes. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm the guy. I have to put. Remember, I tweeted saying Molestar will never get him. I I also have a Ferrari and a Monegasque apartment, so I'm gonna have to Photoshop myself now in a Ferrari in front of a Monegasque apartment, basically my head on Charles Leclerc's body. Imagine. Don't know. Yeah, easy to imagine that, I guess. So, yeah, some transfer rumors are circulating about. Chiro said that on Twitter. Um, but yeah, that's about that's about it at the moment. Everyone's in Giro prep. Anything else, Benji? Any other news? Well, there's lots of other names being thrown around when it comes to transfers and like a Verona and so forth, but these are like the early, the early mentions of, oh, should he go to Ineos and so forth? Will should they he try go to replace Ineos? A, well, they're probably trying to replace Castro Viejo, yeah. who's running towards the end of his days, but he won't fix the issue that Ineos has, which is that their leaders aren't good enough to win the Tour de France. Yeah. Or one-week races at the moment. Either. <laughs> or or gobble races and hill races. Well, yeah. Um, Verona's a nice rider, but like, nice riders, as Benji said, only get you so far. Um, yeah, and like, he's not a prolific winner. And he's expensive for a domestique as yeah. well. They were talking 700 ish, whatever K. The rumors was, yeah, at least 700 currently. So then he, if he's happy at Movistar, Spanish speaking environment, although Ineos, obviously, big Spanish, Hispanophone contingent, but like, Ineos going to have to pay more. You pay a mil for Carlos Verona? Like, he doesn't really move the needle that much. Whilst I do think he is a really nice, versatile rider, he's a premium stage race domestique who can also maybe win a break stage, but not all the time. Um, like a Sepp Kuss, you put in the breakaway, when he does get the chance, he wins like half the time or Kemner. So uh, Gino Maida rumoured, he, I reckon Tudor's not a bad spot for Maida. Yeah, and the fact with Tudor as well is that they're trying to step up. And yeah. I think Cancellara was talking about in future years, they want to move into a welter position in a couple of years, the but obviously not good. there yet. Exactly. And Alexander Kamp today, like nine yeah. months again, once again, a good result in, in Amstel Gold Race. Kind of shocked that Kamp took the risk of going to Tudor because like it's always risky when it comes to these new projects coming into the, the pro team I, division. I we hear that. Yeah, and we now hear the same with like the, the Titema team now wants to go to Pro Team next year to ride yeah. Amstel next year. That's also one that's moving up. It's always a risk when it comes to these teams. If you go there of like, 
or will they actually be able to achieve what they're setting out to do yeah. and will they have a continuity after that and with Tudor I 100% believe that that continuity is there because they're really showing up and let's be honest about it their shirts are fucking gorgeous the kits look <laughs> really good I gotta say like and the branding is really good it's the Swiss white tires why it, it looks really good I, I think the shirts look good um they're on BMC, who are reportedly leaving AG2R, maybe to focus yeah. on Tudor. Oh, so they're going to get the Giro invite next year too. Yep. Because yep. Corotech won't be good enough to merit the wild card. Tudor, the watch company, also has given the bag to RCS because they're the official RCS race timekeeper now. So 2 plus 2 equals 4 in my world. Tudor will be at the Giro next year, most likely. Gino Mater. Low, low pressure because if he came sixth at the Giro Benji for Tudor as a Swiss rider, yeah, that's really good. Um, yeah. but who knows? That's that's another rumor. Uh, can't oh, Jorgensen, EFL Jumbo Visma, uh, was the other one. Uh, that probably got the most traction. Movistar, <laughs> Movistar fans were telling Eusebio to uh, pay the pasta, which means open the checkbook for, <laughs> for Jorg. Um, but yeah, where do you where would you see him EF he'd just be there American GC guy, right? I think so as well. I, I'd love to see him at, at Trek because we've been talking for years that they're kind of missing that that rider that's really mo moving up to be a GC rider there. And I feel like Skelmolzer oh, is looking good, but he's not that when it comes to Trek. Oh sorry. Yeah, they've got oh, no Trek too. I was like, why aren't Trek <laughs> in this tweet? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I was I, for some reason I thought you were talking about track for a second, but you're, you're right about EF. He would be their American guy. They are around Paulus now, but I don't feel like Paulus is that guy. Paulus is the kind of guy that's proving so far that he's great at cobble races, so versatile. Yeah. At hill races, if he didn't crash, he would probably be close today as well. World championships, but also in one week stage races, he can be close. But in Grand Tours, I don't see it. And when it comes to the man, Matteo Jorgensen, it's kind of similar that he's so versatile across that terrain, and we don't know yet. If he can do that in Grand Tours for a, a top 10, for a top 5. So that possibility is there. And if they have two riders, they can send it to two Grand Tours, let's be honest about it. But they also are spending a lot on Carapal. So yeah. are they going to re sign Uran? So yeah. And then Yumbo, Yumbo have like Rog and Vingegaard, but then mm -hmm. there's actually a lot of space for yeah, GC but, guys. Yeah, but if you're Jorgensen, on one end, you'd like to go to Yumbo because you know that you're likely going to end up with victories and so forth. But you're still in the position that you're looking at a Vingegaard and a Roglic and so forth, and you're saying, okay, I need to actually step up to be able to, to, to get that Grand Tour position here. Because on paper, one of those two riders will ride two Grand Tours and the other will take a third one, Yeah, I would guess. So it's difficult to step up to, to the Grand Tour leadership, but that would also mean if he goes there that he says to himself, I think I can make that step up. It would, I don't know. What I don't like about that is that, that he's so versatile that in the cobble races, he might end up in a team where he has to work for a while. If he does cobble races, if he does hill races, then there's more position to work with. When it comes to ground tours, he's also in a position where, where he's under someone. So I'd rather see him go to a different team. Yeah, it depends. I mean, he could say he, if he, like, is that domestic role for a year? And then what if Roglic declines in 2025? Yep. That's two years away. And then he does a Jonas. Yeah. And there's the Vingegaard model as well. I, I'm interested to see either way, EF or Yumbo, 
whichever one happens, or Trek. I'd love to see his TT improve. At God, I think. The, uh, <laughs> I think so. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's he's obviously the Movistar fans really want to keep him, and I don't blame him. Um, but yeah, we might have a more fulsome transfer roundup. Probably these all get announced August one. They start to be officially announced after the Tour de France, before the Vuelta. We will uh, obviously be doing our transfers, recaps, etc. But yeah, hope you enjoy the Amstel Gold recap today. Mathieu van der Poel, Tol Pogacar, Ultimate DS, attack on the steepest part of the course if you're going to attack. Get him in the car. Um, we'll see you with the Flesh Will Own recap on Wednesday afternoon. Till then, ciao.